This is Warren Perry, and we're interviewing Sid Hart, Senior Historian of the National Portrait Gallery, Curator of the National Portrait Gallery's Herb Block Exhibition, as well as the upcoming exhibition, Presidents in Waiting. So there were thousands of cartoons in the cartoon morgue you chose from. You winnowed it down to under 100, and how did you manage to pick the ones that you did? What were your criteria? We started, as I said, with the 14,000 cartoons. We winnowed this down to all of the cartoons he did on the presidents. It had to include a recognizable figure of a president. From that, we wound up actually with a few hundred cartoons that we thought were most effective. We we began with the with with the uh, with with Block's assumption that a cartoon was most effective if it had a negative message, if it, if it was really hitting someone. And Block talked about this. He had a little story in, in in one of his books. I think it may be in his autobiography, in which he described the school lesson. Uh, and a teacher was asking the class to talk about kind actions that they had um, done uh, towards animals. And a little boy raised his hand and talked about um, finding a lost kitten and bringing it home. And another little girl raised her hand and, and, and told the class about this little, little bird she found with a broken wing and nursing it back to health. And then another little boy raised his hand and talked about seeing this bully kicking a dog. And the little boy said, I punched the bully and chased them away. And that's what Block meant in the sense of a, a negative action actually having a positive result. And his most effective cartoons are the cartoons in which he goes after a president, as I said, either for doing something Block considered wrong or for not doing something he should have done. Um, so the, the, the last winnowing process was the cartoons, which were the strong negative statements about a president. Um, and we got down to about 100 of absolutely essential cartoons that we wanted to use, and then we're told that we could only use about 40. And that was a painful um, selection process of getting it down to, to that. I mean, Block's body of work is so huge and the quality is so high um, that you, you could take an exhibit with the same theme that we had and double it or triple it, and you'd have no problem picking out incredibly good cartoons. Do, do you have a favorite one or two cartoons in the lot of the final choosing? My favorite cartoons, any well, there are four, three or four that we have up on on that he did on Nixon and Watergate. Of I don't know how much he, how many he did on uh, Watergate. There may be twenty, thirty, forty, or more. Um, Block, in a sense, was waiting uh, decades uh, for the Watergate crisis. He, in his view, he had, he had finally caught uh, Nixon uh, for what as Block perceived it, Nixon really was. And we have the cartoon that I guess we used as a signature cartoon for the exhibit, where this big bloodhound, again, this is Block in his use of metaphor, and the bloodhound is representing justice um, or the law going after criminal activity. 
And the bloodhound, which is a huge bloodhound, is following this little figure of Richard Nixon. And Nixon has in his hand um, tapes, um, audio tapes, which represent the uh, tapes uh, from the White House Oval Office in which, um, well, many of the tapes which discuss um, Nixon's um, attempt to deal with the Watergate crisis, uh, which were incriminating in the sense of Nixon trying to cover up the original Watergate break-in. <clears throat> and Nixon had already uh, he had thrown to the bloodhound, he had thr thrown these bones. And the bones each have a name of one of the White House aides who had been forced to resign. So Nixon had given up these bones or aides in order to save himself. And then he's trying to uh, throw some of the tapes to the bloodhound to, keep, to get him off the track um, so he can somehow escape this crisis. But, of course, the bloodhound is, is on his trail and is relentless. Among the block cartoons, there you can you can see how they're they're divided up into some that are just blatantly targeting faults he finds inside administrations. There are others that are that are just just funny for the sake of poking fun at at politics, which is one of the great American pastimes. Which couple do you think are among the funniest? Just for sheer <clears throat> sheer laughing. Um. There's one of Jimmy Carter, and it has to do with the economic crisis, which is interesting in a sense because I, I, there, there, some people have tried to make comparisons between that economic crisis and our financial crisis today. At this point, thank goodness, that crisis is still worse, and maybe our crisis won't reach to that level. We're talking about a situation in which unemployment I think was as high as 10%, if not, it was double-digit. Inflation was at least 12%. Interest rates were over 20%. And we had what was called stagflation, in which the, um, you had inflation and the, and the economy was not growing. It, it was a bad economic situation. It had really begun during the Nixon years uh, and continued really to the early 80s. And he has Jimmy Carter. It's a hospital scene. And Carter is looking at this chart, and the sick patient is the economy. And the caption is something to the effect of, frankly, I have no idea what I'm doing. And seeing that, that caption, you, you just, I think, laugh out loud because Carter is it's, it's a pathetic Jimmy Carter. Uh, maybe a little a trifle unfair since really nobody really had a clue as to what to do with the economy. But Block was concerned about going after the biggest guy on the block. And the biggest guy on the block was often the president. The other cartoon, and I can't remember the caption, but again, it's the economy, and this is Gerald Ford. And they're, they're in this handbasket, and they're, they're heading downward. And it's, it's the economy, and, and it's, it's a perfect uh, depiction of, of to hell in a handbasket. Nobody knows really what's going on with the economy. Ford has tried various gimmicks, and nothing is working. Um, and both those, both those cartoons, the Carter one and, and the Ford one, I remember looking at. Um, and they're not particularly uh, 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 vicious in any way. I mean, um, Block had done far more um, violent cartoons. Um, but, and, and you just see the caption. And I remember working, I was working with a graduate student who was assisting me in terms of, of, of selecting these. Um, and we both saw this. I remember with, with both of these, as we were going through, 
through the cartoons. We both saw the, the, these cartoons and just started laughing. They were just funny. Um, as I said, Block could be really violent and vicious. Uh, personally, uh, he was a very mild-mannered man. Um, everybody remembers him that way. He was a lifelong bachelor. He lived most of his life at the Washington Post. He'd come in later at the day, in the day, eat his lunch at the Post cafeteria, eat his dinner, um, was always friendly, was always gentle. Um, Herb, as, as his friends remember him, w w was, was just the most gentle of men. And yet we have his cartoons, some of which contain the lopping off of heads um, and other violent measures. And I had asked um, one of, somebody who had known him uh, through most of the decades on the Post, what about this? Um, how could you have such a gentle man and these violent cartoons? And she said that was the way that Herb vented. He had all these emotions and all of these passions. He thought deeply and passionately about political events, about public events, and he would get very angry, and he would do these cartoons, uh, some of them that, which could be f quite violent in expressing his feelings, and then he'd feel good. Uh, what a great way to work out uh, one's frustrations. <laughs> It saves you a lot of money in gym costs. But, um, Definitely. What when you said he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President Clinton in 1994? Did uh, did that curry any favor uh, for the president uh, with respect to Mr. Block, or did Mr. Block take his um, his pen and his and his vicious sense of humor out on uh, President Clinton from thereafter pretty much equally as he had all the other presidents prior. Quite frankly, I, I was surprised. I hadn't remembered all of the really powerful, devastating cartoons that he had done with Clinton. Uh, we have some of them up uh, in the exhibit, and, and then as part of the exhibit, um, we had almost 200 cartoons, I believe, that we put on uh, a kiosk in the exhibit. And I loaded up uh, on Clinton cartoons in that. Um, he was extremely disappointed in Clinton not being international, interventionist enough. He wanted Clinton to intervene in Bosnia long before Clinton finally determined to do that. And Block also tended to be very interventionist as concerns the Middle East. Um, and he was really disappointed in Clinton after it became clear to many observers that Saddam Hussein was not boxed in, but was, was um, uh, violating the agreement he had signed uh, with the UN for cessation of hostilities after the first Gulf War, uh, and that there might have been really atrocities going on in Iraq during Clinton's watch. There were several cartoons that blocked it on Clinton taking him to task for not going after Hussein. The scandals, uh, the Clinton scandals, whether it was uh, Monica Lewinsky, uh, the pardons, um, other episodes, Block was just um, unrelenting in going after Clinton. Sometimes you got the sense that a president that Block had great hopes for and these were, these were the Democrats, the liberals, John Kennedy, um, uh, Lyndon Johnson, uh, Bill Clinton, that when Block became disappointed in those presidents, whether it was for scandals or for not acting as he thought a liberal 
Democrats should act. He could even be harder on them, even take them more to task. He certainly did with Clinton. Um, and it, it's, I, I was just, I, I'll always be curious in terms of him going after Clinton in Iraq as to what his take would have been with Bush 43 and the war in Iraq. So you had, a, you had an excellent run during the show. The show received a lot of positive attention, and we're certain you're going to be sad to see it go away. What's next on your, on your list of subjects to conquer? I don't know about conquering them. We're, we're, doing, we're trying to do the vice presidents, and if there was ever a subject to be conquered, it would be the vice presidency. Uh, on Inauguration Day, January 20th, uh, our show Presidents in Waiting, and this concerns the 14 vice presidents in American history who succeeded to the presidency, either as a result of the death of a president um, or election in their own right, or in one case uh, with uh, Gerald Ford, the resignation of a president. And we're going to, you know, we're going to try to explore in, in, in this exhibit some of what it has meant to be a president in waiting, a vice president. In some ways, it's been the most denigrated office uh, in, in the federal government. One thinks of the late great comic Rodney Dangerfield in the sense that it's been in, the vice president is, is, is somebody who's never gotten any respect. Um, although the point of our show is that, that maybe it should, that 14 of them did succeed to the presidency, and that if you look at the resumes of many of these guys, um, for the most part, they're highly experienced individuals, uh, exemplified by Joe Biden, our vice president-elect, who has um, some 30 years uh, in the Senate. Uh, but many of them, uh, sometimes even mistakenly, I, I remember, um, well, I don't remember, but the initial assumption when Truman uh, became president after FDR's death in 1945, um, was that Truman was an unknown, just an ordinary guy, uh, which was totally false. He was one of the Democratic leaders in the Senate. Um, he was somebody with wide experience in, in the federal government. Most of our vice presidents have had this type of experience. They may not be in the uh, limelight when they're vice president, uh, but for the most part, they've been ready to step in. Uh, two exceptions to that rule. Um, Andrew Johnson with Lincoln, and um, John Tyler for, for Harrison. You'll have to go to the exhibit to see why.